One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Sketch comedy or sitcoms. Doctor Who. I love Tim. Bird. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, nerds and nerdettes, and welcome to episode 8 of the United Nations podcast. I'm your ambassador, representing the Great White North, Melissa Nicholson. I'd like to welcome my co-ambassador, representing the Midwest United States, who I could not do this podcast without, Jared Boots. Jared, how's it going, eh? Uh, It's going okay, hey? (laughs) Happy summer's finally dead. Yeah, same here. Although it's not technically over yet, but... (laughs) It's on its It's last leg, where it belongs. (laughs) Yeah. I've been soaking up all this cold air. It's been wonderful wearing a hoodie almost every day. It's been amazing. <laughs> I'm glad I could start wearing my awesome Death Stitch custom clothing. They live flannel, as mentioned in the last episode. There you go. <laughs> um, so, in this, um, in this episode, we're picking up where we left off in a previous episode where we left a sticky note on comparing the differences between like the DC and Marvel movies and how they treat superheroes in their respective worlds and how the world stage sort of reacts to them and, and sort of their surrounding areas. Um, the comparisons from, we're going okay. <laughs> Uh, the movie in, Canada, in Canada, they spell that B-L-A-U-H. <laughs> yeah. That letter U, I tell you. <laughs> Still a better love story than Twilight. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, the movies we'll talk about are Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice... And maybe a little bit of Suicide Squad. Um, and then as for the Marvel movies, um, really going to focus on Captain America Civil War. Because that's kind of um, where we really see where Marvel has these superheroes placed in, in their worlds. And we see how the world reacts to them um, based on what they've done in the past and... Um, sort of their their overall reaction to it because you don't really see it in um, a lot of the other movies except for this one where you really that that shines. Um, so yeah, um, that's basically what we're going to be talking about today, and let's dive right into it because I've got quite a long. Well, you got no love for uh, Justice League? 
a little. I, th- I thought it was a good movie. Um, I'd probably have to watch it, watch it again. Because um, honestly, like, you know, recently Dark Knight Rises, I couldn't remember a thing from it if I had to watch it again. Because um, I kind of want to talk about it in this in this episode. So I was like, I have to watch it again so it's fresh from my brain because there was just nothing. So it's the same with Hero Justice League. So Right now it's packed up in a box, so when I get to my new place it'll be taken out and they'll watch it again um so anyway aside from that um we're gonna start with uh batman vs superman and how this was well this was the first movie that i watched um that i had to really dig to find because clearly canada has no love for it so (laughs) were were you able to find the extended cut at all I'm still looking for it. Um, yeah, I still have just the yeah, just the regular one. So I do at some point want to find. Um, well, actually, no, I did find the the extended cut, but it was on Blu-ray, and I don't have Blu-ray, so I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I finally found. I'm like, oh, this is why I can't have nice things. So. Yeah, that that one's on my list to find. So, um, I found it really interesting in in this movie how, um, you know, like Superman, like they treat it. They at the end of it, like he, they basically like they treat him like a war hero, like he's this big, you know, and but in the beginning, not so much. And a lot of these characters, they're all, you know picked on and debated about and it's a mixture of like of love and hate and skepticism it's from the scientific community from news several news outlets you know the political you know critics and stuff who are just you know either they're you know bashing on them being a little bit skeptical of these people or you know they outright support them because they think that yeah they're bringing good to this world and they're you know helping out and all that kind of stuff and and um, the, talking, really... the talking head aspect is brought straight out of Dark Knight Returns. Only more, it's more directed towards Superman instead of Batman. The negative uh, back and forth, the tension giving. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's a lot of that movie is is them sort of like butting heads a little bit. Like they're just he's on one side, he's on the other, and that's kind of where they're at. Like they have their they're lying in the sand of, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, you're doing whatever you're doing, and that's it, you know. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to kind of sort of side note, just to see, like, you know, Batman as this, you know, Bruce Wayne as this gritty, toughened by experience kind of man. Like, he just very different from, you know, the other ones and just how he, how he was. And I really enjoyed enjoyed that like just you know because it makes sense like he's been doing this for how long and you know so i think a lot of that you know comes from his like distaste of you know superman and and everybody else because they're just you know kind of you know treading just on his his territory a little bit and maybe he's he's a little bit territorial of it like he's protective but and that just comes from you know 
um, life experience and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was interesting to see um, and a lot of questioning of, you know, these these superheroes and, and you know, what they could do, kind of a little bit of the what if, and, you know, that they could, with what they have, they could be, you know, they could be evil. They could. They could do bad things, but they choose not to. So it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of... Um, it's a really good movie, despite I know a lot of people don't particularly like it. I know there's a lot of debate about it, but... Eh. Oh. Well, <laughs> and those people those people that hate on Batman v Superman or, frankly, any of the Zack Snyder DC movies, they're entitled to their wrong opinion if they think it's bad. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, but a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the emotion and all that stuff, the conflict you get from BVS, especially on Clark's side of things, you get a lot of that you pick up in uh, Man of Steel, where he's being taught by Pa Ken at a young age that he needs to stay hidden because these people are not going to accept you. So when he's saving the tanker truck or when he's saving uh, his classmates on the bus or when he has the opportunity to save his father and his father tells him to stay put, and essentially sacrifices himself so Clark can stay hidden and protected. That's where a lot of the dilemma of Clark Kent comes from. Well, exactly. Like even like yeah, when they're having their like they're outside the house and and in that scene when you know his dad like dad's talking to him and you know that well what was I supposed to do like basically like let them all die and you just see like him pause like. Well, yeah, kind of thing. Like, you know, like making these sacrifices just, you know, but he so much wants to help and protect people and do, you know, genuinely good things. And it's, yeah, it's, you see that, that struggle of him, you know, being told that, no, he can't be who he is, be true to himself. You know, he has to hide that, whereas he doesn't want to do that. Like he wants to be, you know, what he was born to be and um it's kind of interesting like the one you know like when they they i can't remember the one the one villain in it in man of steel general zod yes that's it um where they're having that whole battle and the one um you know military officially is like well what about you know what about the man in blue and you know, he's the other guy. He's basically like, you know, treat them all the same. Like they're they're a villain. They're equally villains. So let's just treat them all the same. Whereas, you know, that person's like, well, this person is, you know, is helping the cause. But no, we have to treat them the same. You know. And the, uh, also, there's the difference between General Zod and Superman is that Clark or Cal Cal El, as he's known in Krypton, he was the last baby to be genetically conceived in Krypton while the other members of Krypton, they were uh, made uh, genetically. They weren't, they weren't sired like Clark was. They are genetically modified. They were bred for a certain reason. So Zod is, was created for the purpose of protecting Krypton. And when he was exiled for doing so, Decided to make Earth a new Krypton. He is doing what he was made to do. As this Clark is wanting to, being told not to do what he was made to do, and to go against the grain to serve his purpose. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's super interesting just how, yeah, he, he's this unique, you know, um, being and he wants to, you know, be who he was born into and, you know, that whole society would just, and even like his sort of adopted parents are like, no, can't do that, you know, and, and just how hard that would be, you know, that you're this, you know, unique person with abilities and strength and all that stuff and you can't be that. Like, just, you know, and you see that. Like, he's he just struggles with it. Like, he just, just wondering, okay, well, then, you know, if I can't be myself, then sort of what's my purpose? You know, I can't help people, but I want to help people. And if I do, then I get sort of reprimanded for it, you know. And it's just, you know, obviously, eventually, he's, you know, himself. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. And it's just how that world you know, treats these superheroes like they're just not, you know, they're, they're not fully accepting of them, which is, you know. And, and you get a lot of that in BVS where a lot of people do not open Clark with open arms or mm-hmm. Batman for even that reason. Batman is seen as a villain to some members of the Gotham City Police Department. Yeah. Others, he's a hero. But that not, not, the, not the entire world is going to see Clark as a savior. And you get that with Bruce at the beginning of it. And it carries on throughout the whole, actually carries across into justice league too. um, uh, About how Bruce depicts Clark. Cause in the beginning of BVS, he sees Clark as an alien and he makes this points to Alfred in the movie that this is a man, a being who could enslave the entire world if he wanted to. Yeah. And there are, comic storylines were that Clark is indeed evil. Yeah. Uh, Red, Red Sun's a good example of that. Um, what a Superman landed in Russia instead of the United States. Or even the uh, Injustice storyline in the video game uh, where Clark is tricked by the Joker into believing he killed Lois. Or no, save it, but he ended up killing Lois. Yeah. And Clark just snaps, and you get a, you get a lot of that shown in a uh, BVS too in the nightmare sequence. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, by the end of BVS, Bruce comes around, and it's a scene that catches probably the most flack in the entire movie, actually, because the whole the quote unquote Martha scene, which everybody writes it off as oh he only stopped because both their moms are named Martha I'm like well no you got to look a little bit deeper into that it's and Clark uh, Bruce reevaluates that in Justice League where this is a it shows that he had a family here he fell in love he had a job he wasn't just some alien when he said mm-hmm. Mar- when Lois intervenes for Bruce about to take that final blow with the kryptonite spear he says Martha was his mother and that's when Bruce has that snap moment. He couldn't save his mother, but he could save Clark's mother. Mm-hmm. And that proved that this is not an alien. This is a person. Yeah. Yeah. Like he really, yeah. At the end of the day, like he's, he definitely, yeah, he's from a different planet, but he's a person. And he's, a, he's like, he, he adapted to this new world. And, from him being, you know, an infant and growing up in that world, that's just how he grew up. And I think it, you know, if he, if 
I don't know. Would it have been, you know, different if he was a little bit older? Like, would he have reacted a little bit different? Or, you know, but... Well, um, I think since he was so young, I... If he had been older, he probably reacted differently, because he, but he grew up on Earth. Mm-hmm. He's only born on Krypton right before it exploded. So, yeah. so he, really- he, he grew up on Earth, so he's well aware. But probably the awkward part would be when he, like, that scene of man, my favorite scene of Man of Steel besides the final fight with Zod is when he's what 10, 11 years old and he's in that mm. and he's in his classroom yeah. and all of his powers are just hitting him at once mm-hmm. and he hit, well, runs and hides in the closet. That's one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. Yeah. Just imagine being Clark and all of a sudden you're absorbing all the energy from the yellow sun. All of a sudden you're seeing through things and you can hear something miles away and it's uh, it's heartbreaking a little bit, heart wrenching a little bit, just to see this poor kid trying to deal with all this at at once, and then you see his his mother comes and brings him down. Yeah, yeah, you really feel that. Like that was definitely um, like very powerful. Like you can just like, if you put it yourself in his shoes and just how intense that would be. Like if you you know you're absorbing all of this, all of these powers and everything. And you're just, you know, you don't have that moment to like, you know, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for to really, you know, compute it, to really think about like what is happening, you know, and you're in a space where like, nobody's going to understand, you know, and they didn't like, they really, you know, they didn't, didn't treat him very well in that, you know, it was just, well, you know, you need to call mom and, you know, mom comes in and, you know, brings him down from that. But, you know, yeah, you, you kind of, you know, if you're a bit of a weirdo, like I am, you kind of relate to him, like just being that different kid and, you know, how you're just, you're not that normal kid. And it's that real sudden realization that, yeah, you're not like everybody else, you know. So yeah, that one, yeah. I definitely like that scene too. It was very very powerful and and you know, you really feel that. And yeah, you mentioned Suicide Squad briefly. Um yeah. You get the you can get a good example of how DCEU and Zack Snyder Warner Brothers wanted to portray how the genuine public would accept these heroes. With one simple line from your boy David Harbour, what what if Superman came down, ripped the roof off the White House, and laid everything to waste? Who would have stopped him? Or or what what's the exact line? What if Superman came down, ripped off the roof of the White House, and made off with the president? Who would have stopped him? Yeah, and that's essentially what, what Bruce is thinking most through most of BVS. Who, if he were to go evil, who would stop? Him? Mm-hmm. Who could stop? Exactly. So it, show, it shows that side where you can't trust these guys. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's, you know, you definitely, because they could just as easily just turn if they really wanted to. If they, if they didn't have that slight, you know, that good in them, that they could just use their power for negative and, yeah, who could stop them? And Nobody. I think I think I think Amanda Waller says later on in the movie, "What if the next Superman isn't on our side?" 
Somebody that somebody in the Suicide Squad does say, I want to say it's Amanda Waller. What if the next Superman isn't on our side? Mm. So if you had, and folks, if you haven't seen Suicide Squad, the reason why we speak about Superman in like a non-present text is because during the events of Suicide Squad, Superman is quote unquote dead. Yeah. During the events of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. But um it paints a good picture, so you really cannot at some to a point you cannot really look down on Bruce for thinking the way he does. It's more and it, I, I actually love how BVS ties in the beginning of BVS ties in the end of Man of Steel where Bruce is rushing to his building in Metropolis and then just seeing Zod and Superman take out that building and essentially this is at least on screen this is the first time we're made aware of just being aware of Clark's presence uh, Superman's presence and they don't get off on the right foot to say the least <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> yeah yeah, it's very interesting. I really, I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, just the, that different viewpoint and how, yeah, it would, it would be, it was, you know, sometimes like in some ways a little too realistic to how it would potentially be in real life. Like if it wasn't a fictionalized story, like how, you know, the world would treat them. It would be brutal. They would be torn apart just with words alone, like from all these people. And, you know, you got to think, like, would they, you know, treat it, you know, almost like, um, you know, aliens, like Area 51. Like, would they just hide them? Would they, no, you didn't see anything. No, there's nothing here. Like, just, you know, go about your day kind of thing. Like, it's, it's interesting. And, um... Yeah, during I definitely did a lot of like, you know, thinking during this movie, and I think it really encourages that because it's just an interesting path they took with all these characters and the world around them. So, yeah, definitely does make you think. Does definitely does. I, I had a thought and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back. It'll come back to me, I'm sure, eventually, and I'll have a, a squirrel moment. Yeah. So, uh, just from what we've discussed so far, how do you see that being addressed? How how do you see the topic of heroes being accepted on the other side of the pond, the other side of the playground in Marvel? With Marvel, I find like if you look at um see like the first avengers movie um you like you know they they defeat the i can't remember the alien name they de- i can't remember it's i just lost. say loki they beat loki yeah, they beat loki and how everybody's all like you have the different news clips and everybody's all celebrating and everything which you get because big enough thing that they defeated but you know, you would think that, you know, I feel like in a, in a DC film it would have been, you know, you would have had the, the celebratory, but then you still would have had a bit of that criticism and, like, how's this going to be fixed and da, 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 whatever. All, all the um, collateral damage that comes yeah, from that stuff. 
right? So you don't really see that, except for in when you come up to uh, Civil War, where they really make that shine. They bring that out a lot with, you know, the, the government, you know, coming out and saying, you know what, no, you can't, um, you know, you can't be be doing the things that you do without our supervision or, you know, permission even, like, just to, you know, to do what you do. And, like, they created the, out of that came the Sokovia Accords. And I think they, you know, they really wanted to control it, where basically it outlined that any superhero must reveal their identity and their powers and be on a leash with the government. That, no, we're not dealing with your stuff anymore, so you know what? Anything you do has to go through us first. And then we'll choose basically what you're going to do. You're not going to, you know, cause the destruction that you did in Sokovia. And, you know, it's interesting to see, like, you know, Tony Stark, who, you know, openly admitted who he was. And I think that came, you know, certainly came from that. I think because he was in full support of it at the, from the beginning. He, you know, and I think because he himself couldn't keep it a secret. Let's see where that led him. <laughs> too much, too much advanced tech. I think that people would be able to put the, uh, put the clues together pretty quick. Like, that's pretty advanced tech you see flying around in the sky. Like, yeah. Who, who else is capable of doing that exactly. besides the government? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else has a lot of money and just might be a genius? Hmm. <laughs> let's let can we put the puzzle together here? <laughs> and then I think too, like you know, in the movie after he does his talk at MIT and giving money to engineering students, that there's the the woman who talks to him and shows a picture of her son who is who died during the Sokovia stuff and so he kind of gets a bit guilt tripped like oh like kind of it it becomes very real because it wasn't really he was just doing him and everybody else were doing what they were doing and they saved people but of course there was you know lives lost and I think it becomes certainly a lot more real when you know he sees that and it's like okay we got to do something you know there's got to be you know stipulations lines in the sand of you know what to do in the future so they can better control these you know superheroes and all that kind of stuff you know it it, and of course you know everybody else they kind of rebel against it because it's losing their freedom it's losing their you know kind of ability to you know save people when they feel they need to and you know so yeah, it's there's you see that 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 you know conflict of characters certainly you know because they they want to help at any point in time but then they can't because it has to you know now it has to go through the government you know because they just you know and I think it's remembering my lost thought I've been reading the last night on Earth. Uh, Batman, Last Night on Earth, uh, by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, where, where Bruce meets with uh, Diana, 
and they talk about an uprising from the people and she tells that's what it is bruce is they didn't want to be saved yeah yeah yeah, this is interesting. And even, you know, I think of, I think it was from, was it from the White Knight? Where they, you know, they're, I recently read, and they're, you know, that they, anything that, you know, Bruce did, like a Batman, they covered it up as, oh, a hurricane fund. There was all the, the money is a hurricane. <clears throat> <laughs> most, most usually it's like Bruce Wayne or Wayne, Indi- Wayne, Wayne Industries uh, donated this much money. Yeah. You know, just to, to cover that up. And they, they challenge that in the in the comic. Like, you know, why aren't you, you know, he's trying to uncover that. That, no, this is what you're doing with that money. It's not a hurricane. It's, you know, Batman... You know, destroying the place. <laughs> so I gotta get money from somewhere to repair it. But it's, yeah. and it's not necessarily him destroying the place. A lot of times, it's probably the villain he's fighting who's destroying the place. Exactly. But of course, well, who else are they going to put that blame on? Right. It's not so much. Yeah, they're going to put. They're going to point fingers at the villain. But who else are they going to point that finger at? Right. They're, they're not. They're not going to send. Uh, if Scarecrow poisons the water supply with a sphere toxin, they're not going to send the bill to him while he's locked up in Arkham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Jonathan Crane, here's the bill you owe for us clean out the entire water system. Jerk. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And I thought, you know, thinking of like when I watched The Dark Knight Rises, like just the, it was a lot of like military involvement and the one line by the guy who's sort of covering um commissioner gordon and how he he, bas- he calls batman a murderous thug in a cape he just you know and and how um what is it and the the questioning of like when they're pursuing bane and then they turn their sights on batman and decide to pursue him and he questions you know, do we catch the robber or do we catch the son of a bitch who killed Harvey Dent? You know, and he 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 goes on to say, "I'm going to do what Commissioner Gordon couldn't." You know, so it's it's interesting. You get that a lot too, where uh, the villains always like to make the hero have a choice. Like in the Dark Knight, when Heath Ledger, the Joker's holding Maggie Gyllenhaal, take off your mask and I'll let her go. And he says, let her go, and he, pretty poor choice of words, and lets her go. And so he's stuck with, make that choice, either reveal who you are. If you reveal who you are, then I'll let this girl go. If mm. if you can believe anything a villain, especially the Joker, says, take him for his <laughs> word. But yeah, I'll let her go, if you just take off your mask. Mm. But then again, it's... It almost seems like it's been a it's been a while since I've seen Dark Knight Rises, and mostly I only watch it for Tom Hardy's performance as Bane because yeah. it's really the the best thing to watch about it. Yeah. But he, yeah, him and him and Talia almost seem like they're trying to exploit those people who are trying to um, revolt against Batman. Mm-hmm. And all the bad Batman's done. Okay, he got rid of all the the organized crime, but we still have all of a sudden we still got. Random thugs in the street. Mm-hmm. 
even though they're two separate universes from what Zack Snyder later create, how do you, what do you, what do you see in your comparison between Christopher Nolan's universe and Zack Snyder's universe? What do you see differences there besides the fact that Chris Nolan tried to base his more in reality? Yeah. I think definitely like with Christopher Nolan, he, yeah, he's, it is a little bit more sort of realistic and yeah, more, you know, decisions are made and thoughts and things. And like, it's more sort of a little bit more. Chris Chris Nolan essentially turned Raza Ghul, Talia Ghul and Bane into terrorists. That's what they are. Yeah. Basically. Um, Whereas, yeah, like, the other view is a little bit more, um, still sort of realistic, but a little bit more questioning, a little bit more deeper thought and exploration of these characters, and sort of, you know, where they're coming from in the, in the situation. And especially, like, you know, we've talked about you know, for most of this episode, like Batman versus Superman and just how they really dig into that character struggle and, you know, the, the characters and how they, they react to one another and, you know, and just that. And then the, the outward, the world around them viewing them and how that is pretty real to what you would think the world would react, you know, how they would. Um, I kind of feel like you don't you don't see that as much in in the like the Christopher Nolan ones where there's still that that real world, but it's you know a little bit more a little bit I feel like a little bit less questioning, a little bit less deeper thought, where it's just this is how it's going and the kind of um, but yeah, there there's certainly significant differences. Well, Christopher Nolan has his. I, I do like. I love the Dark Knight. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I do enjoy Dark Knight Rises mostly for Tom Hardy's performance. And Batman Begins, I have no uh, no beef with. It's not gonna be the first one of the trilogy I watch. But Christopher Nolan set his so so set in reality that yeah. well, he doesn't bring Bane to his true performance. He's not using the toxin to pump himself up. He's essentially just breathing in pain reliever from getting beat up so bad while he was in jail or in prison, but not making this luchador that pumps himself up full of uh, essentially venom, making himself huge and essentially unstoppable until he cut the cords on, cut the tubes on him. That's how Bane's easily defeated. All he does is cut the tubes to his supply. But my real main beef with Christopher Nolan's universe is that he, because he said it's so deep in reality that you can't explore the possibilities of Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, even some Batman villains like Poison Ivy. Come on, set that higher in reality, a woman who can has the ability to manipulate plant life around her. Or you're not going to, like, I think it's, what I've heard what's going on with the new Joker movie about a guy falling in a vat of acid. He's not going to come out and Sarah's going to be green. His skin's going to be white or some other, a clay face, another villain taking away right there. Uh, 
whenever that's why one of the things BVS is so big for is that we finally got to see all these heroes together on screen. Batman's been around forever. This is the first time in live action we've seen them on the same screen. And that was huge. And it's great that we, and essentially they're taking the same approach that Marvel did. It's like, yeah. Whether it be the Fox universe with the X-Men movies and uh Fantastic Four or the MCU with Disney, it's like, yeah, all these people with powers do exist and they can exist in this normal plane. Exactly. Yeah, they're all in the same world, essentially. Like who yeah, who says they can't, you know, interact with one another? Like it, it it is interesting. Like the yeah, in yeah, the Christopher Nolan films, it's like no, they it's almost like no, they can't be a part of it at all. Like they're separate from you know, from it. Like he's he's got his world and that's it. Like there you know, no other characters can come in and interact. Whereas the other one, yeah, they're coming in and interacting because that makes sense. They're all in the same world. They should all come together and, you know, because they all, they, and it, it may not even be that, like, they're calling on one another for help or whatever. They just, they hear about it and they're coming to help and be a part of this. Because that's just what would happen. You know, you, you can't. You can't make it, you can't put it into a box. And I think that's what, like, Christopher Nolan was trying to do. Just put it into a box with a pretty bow, and that's it. Like, not expanding out into the world. He just, you know, like BVS does. Like, it, he goes way out and explores that. Whereas, yeah, no. Like I said, it's in a box with a pretty bow, and that's it. <laughs> and it says no other superheroes allowed on a pretty label. <laughs> And you think, but up and up until BVS, the only time we even got close to this was Batman Forever back in 1995, when um, uh, Val Kilmer mentions to who's playing Bruce Wayne, who replaced Michael Keaton, mentions yeah. to uh, Chris O'Donnell playing Robin, "Oh, the circus is probably halfway to Metropolis right now." <laughs> and then the next one, Batman and Robin, we get uh, George Clooney who plays Val Kilmer. Saying this is why Superman works alone. So up, up, so ninety-seven to two thousand sixteen. That's all we had. Mm-hmm. As uh, oh, these two guys can coexist in the same live-action universe. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say Zack Snyder's um, portrayal of how the world would accept these heroes is very paints a good picture. Of society in real life, it, it does not take much to split the people. No, uh, people fight from anything between religion, gun control, all the way down to something as mundane as pineapple on pizza. Yeah, that that it does not take much to separate the people. And <laughs> in Gotham City and Metropolis and Zack Snyder's universe, some people see Superman as a worship him as a god. Mm-hmm. And some see him as an alien. It does not take much to divide the people, and it 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 is very it is a very uh, haunting portrait of real life. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> it really is. Like when you really think about it, as you're watching the film, and it's yeah, it's certainly how the world would react to them, and just how. 
you know, like there isn't enough division in the world as it is now, there would be even more, you know? And I, I really, I, I certainly admire his vision. I really do. I actually prefer it more because it is so much more real. It's not tucked in a box. It's open and questioning, and I think it's awesome. That's what it's going to be. Us fans really got robbed of what could have been a great uh, universe. Uh, And when Zack Snyder got the toys taken away from him during Justice League, uh, it really ruined what could have been a great uh, a great uh, franchise. Um, I really enjoyed. I still look for. Apparently, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is out there. Yeah. Jason Momoa says he's seen it. Mm. I've heard. I've read headlines about what it's about. That we get to see Dark Side finally, which is essentially Thanos on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but instead we get his uncle, Steppenwolf. Um how so how do you since you watch Man of Steel BVS and Justice League, how do you how would you evaluate Clark's evaluation from Man of Steel to BVS to Justice League? Because in Justice League we get a much happier Clark Kent. Yeah, definitely. Like he's he, they're all. He he seems to sort of be a very different person in each one. He's very happy. All this, you know, in in Justice League, and then, like you know, Man of Steel, he's discovering himself. Like you kind of get to slowly know him, and he's he's discovering himself as you are. You know, watching him, like you just see that. That inner struggle of wanting to be living like truly who he is, whereas he's also dealing with the you know parents and things being in public, being like, no, you have to like tuck this away and not be that. You have to be like straight up human, basically. Like you can't, you know. And so you see him kind of you know grow through that and change, and you and you see that, and then in um. You know, Batman vs Superman. He's, um, I think he's very conflicted. He's conflicted, yeah, very much. Like he, you almost see like he wants, you know, he wants to share so much. Like he wants to, you know, he's trying to be open and share, and people are just not wanting him to do that. Like he, he tries. You get get, get that with Lois. You get that with Lois, and you get that he confides in Lois. He confides in his mother. Yeah. And you've got everybody else who kind of, you know, not not supportive of that. And, you know, I think he, he also tries to kind of, you know, step over the boundary line that, that Bruce Wayne has created. Because he has that. Like, he's got that line in the sand of, like, nope, you know. And to try and kind of, you know... Um, kind of get to know him a little bit. And, and he's not... You know, he's not letting him in until that very end where it's like, oh, like he's he's a person. He's, you know, he's not just this, you know, alien, you know, realizing that, well, he's been on Earth for quite a while 
and he's you know he's got his mother and father right so yeah he's certainly it's interesting to see that he's he starts out as you know this one person and then he evolves like he's just you know you really see him grow in each movie he he changes and i think that's kind of neat like he's not just this cookie cutter character you know you see him from from youth all the way up to you know more grown and you know he's that completely different person and i think that's that's really interesting to see and Snyder had a great vision. It's too. It's a, like I said. It's a shame we'll ever get to see it fully formed, yeah. unless we do get to. Uh, unless we do get to see the Snyder cut, mm-hmm. we don't get to see his true vision come to fruition. That would that would be the holy grail, man. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I really yeah. It's it's sad when people, you know, they have the the unique viewpoint, unique vision, and they just get cut up for it. Like they you know, don't allow them to be creative and be free in their view and where they want to take these characters, because you could take them wherever. And I'm oh. sure he would. Given you give him that playground, he's gonna run like hell with it. Well, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers was, was known for being the. I've heard this on, I think it's Holy Backcast, credit Andy DiGenova, about saying Warner Brothers is the more known studio to give a little more creative freedom to the director. Like they did with David Ayer and Suicide Squad, like they did with Zack Snyder and Man of Steel and BVS. Yeah. Whereas Marvel, everything's under the watch of Kevin Feige. So, which is why we never got the. Uh, Edgar Wright's Ant-Man because he wanted to do it this way and Feige and Marvel doesn't like no you're doing it this way and that that's tough you know they I don't think they should they should do that really you can't where where can you go if you're gonna just leave them in a box like you just, this is the path you follow. That's it. You can't deviate from it. And you have to like keep both hands in in the ride. Well, you know, like you keep, you know. But then again, how how many movies? How many movies in the Marvel MCU have made over a billion dollars? So what the hell do we know? I guess right. So I guess sticking to this plan, it's worked for them. But you know me and my tinfoil hat. It's a conspiracy because. Lots of people call BVS a flop. It made $800 million. What movie that makes $800 million is considered a flop? And same with Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad made $700 million, over $700 million. It beat out the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie for the biggest opening weekend in August. And that movie wasn't wasn't even released in China, which is a huge market. Uh And people call that a flop, too. It's like... I don't know. I don't get it. That movie got... I remember, like, it got crapped on by everybody. Like, it was the worst movie ever and all this and stuff. I'm like... I watch it and I'm like... I don't see what you're seeing. It's... You know, it, like... Is Suicide Squad an Oscar winner? No. No. Not by, well, technically, it did win an Oscar. Technically. To <laughs> be fair. To be fair. <laughs> Suicide Squad has won an Oscar, so uh, for makeup, which 
beautiful makeup. Killer Croc's makeup alone makes it worth it. But for, okay, let me rephrase what I'm saying. Is Susan Squire going to win an Oscar for Best Picture, Best Screenwriting? No, No. it isn't. Is Enchantress the strongest villain ever that they could have gone with? No. Mm -hmm. I like it. I love Enchantress, but they could have done better. They could have. She was really weak. And. And then no means that movie is not a flop. It did very well in the box office. Uh, but I just don't know how high Warner Brothers standards were. And I believe me and you talked about this, or maybe I probably pitched it probably to another another show when uh, Shazam came out this past year. Yeah, it was it was getting pinned in between Infinity War and Captain Marvel. <laughs> so hope hopefully there. But that movie didn't make it, it didn't make Suicide Squad money, but it's considered a success. Yeah, it's made on a very small budget. Mm-hmm. So, so I was wondering to myself, did Warner Brothers and it wasn't a straight Warner Brothers movie? Did New Line have a hand in it? Yes, yeah, they did. So they must have just they must have just adjusted how what they projected what. They consider this movie to be a success because it's getting pinched in between two of the biggest comic movies of the year. Yeah, but I don't know how, and I can understand like okay, maybe they had really high expectations. BVS should have made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's two heroes coming together for two of the oldest comic book, two of the oldest comic book characters of all time coming together on screen for the first time ever. Yeah, uh, that should have been like everybody shut up and take my money. Like, come on, that's that's a yeah. unique moment right there, and you're. Yeah. Iron Man three is hot garbage. That made a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm only, I'm only convinced it made a billion dollars because it was the was it the first movie that was released directly after Avengers. Yes. And so it was the next one. So of course, maybe that's one. It was that one's gonna make a billion dollars because people want to see what's next. Yeah. That's the only way I can defend Iron Man 3 making a billion dollars. And BVS is hand over fist better than Iron Man 3. Yes. I would watch, I'm going to say it right now, I would watch BVS a thousand times more than I would Iron Man 3. Folks, this is coming from a gal who Iron Man is her favorite character of all the times. Iron Man is her favorite character. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely adore Iron Man, but in this case, Batman and Superman have my heart, man. <laughs> so, uh, going back to the topic, how do you see? How do you feel the public changes from BVS to Suicide Squad? You see a lot of mourning for Superman, but you don't see. I don't think you see a lot of the public reaction towards uh, Task Force X themselves personally. No. Not really. Like it's, yeah. You, like they start out in the beginning with, you know, mourning Superman and and all that stuff. But yeah, you really don't, you don't see a lot of that public eye viewpoint um, in that one, which is kind of interesting. But I think they're they're mostly focused on creating that team, you know, bringing all the you know misfits together and making this team of expendables, basically. Um, to kind of do their under the table dirty work, so I think that that's kind of where their focus was. I don't think it was so much focused on like everybody else. Um, it would have been interesting if they did explore that, 
like, oh, these insane people, what what are you doing? Like, how, you know, they're going to kill people, or, you know. It's it's more Amanda Waller. Children are going to be affected. It's more know? Amanda Waller versus the government. Yeah. Because it's essentially a government-funded program. Yeah. And she's, you know. And she shows them, like, oh, all these, we can control them. Look, I have the Enchantress under my control. Oh, look, I can get you North Korea's nuclear weapon plans just yeah. by stabbing her heart. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... But I guess you get some of it how... You get it in some of Killer Croc's development. Yeah. About how he, uh... Well, he's treated like a freak because of his skin condition that he has. And yeah. that... it. It shows a lot in how he acts throughout the movie. How he's doesn't he kind of keeps to himself in the team, but he's like, I'm not one of you. Uh, people have treated me like a freak my whole life. But then he mm-hmm. says in the bar scene, "I'm beautiful." Yeah. So he knows what he is. Yeah. So you see how society, how society has treated him. How it affects him. Mm-hmm. It shows through his personality. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah. They explore it through him. Like he's, you know, he's certainly the the physically different one in the group. Like he's he's this different guy, and then he find you know he he and then he finds himself. Like he's you know this is who I am, you know, and you know this is who I am and what I do and you know. If you don't like it, well, that's fine. I know who I am. <laughs> yeah, you, probably, you could probably chalk up a lot of uh, Suicide Squad success to, well, us diehards that were following the Zack Snyder universe. But probably a lot of it, because we got Will Smith in the movie, too. But then again, you are also, all of us nerds, we're getting Harley Quinn on screen for the first time in a movie. We almost got Courtney Love as Harley Quinn back in the 90s. Or Madonna. <laughs> hmm. Never in my life have I ever said, thank God that movie didn't get made. <laughs> I referred to comic book movie. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. If you, if, you, if you look up the Batman movies that were supposed to be made between yeah. Batman and Robin and Batman Begins, Harley Quinn was pitched. And... She wasn't going to be the Joker's girlfriend. It was going to be Joker's daughter. Played by either Courtney Love or Madonna, to be rumored. Oh, God. That. No. (laughs) I think there was. There was a. Look it up on Holy Batcast. That's an older episode. Andy, if you're listening, you have to jog my memory which episode it was. I want to say maybe like a 2017, 2016 episode um, where they talk about the Batman films that were never made. Yeah. And they, they talk about one of them where they talked about bringing back Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, all of Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, where it is, like I think Scarecrow was one of the, be the big bads in it, where Bruce is in Arkham, and these are all visions in his head from the fear toxin. He has to come face-to-face, like, well, essentially, quote-unquote, his demons. Yeah. 
and coming and all boils down to a big standoff with the Joker with the returning Jack Nicholson. Hmm. I think it would I think it would have been George Clooney's Batman, not Michael Keaton's. Yeah. But that there's a lot of proposed scripts that were gonna be made because Batman Robin did so bad. Yeah. They never they got they never got made. There was supposed to be another Batman v Superman movie in in that pi in that that too, I think it was Jude Law and Josh Hartnett were penned up to be those. It's, it's all on a holy backcast. Maybe if Andy's listens, he can uh, find that. He could find that, point it out. But there was a lot of ones, great ones that were never made. But uh, going back to our main topic at hand, I got sidetracked talking about Harley Quinn. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my heart. Gets my heart <laughs> a thumping. All Twitter, it's all Twitter painted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, which which universe do you think handles it? Handles the whole concept of heroes and heroes better? Like between DC and Marvel? Yeah. DC. Why? Why is that? I think they, because they're, Marvel is light and fluffy. There's, there's a lot of, like, not a lot of questioning, deep thinking, darker stories with them. They, they explore it like with Tony Stark's PTSD and all that kind of stuff and, and Steve Rogers and, you know, but they don't. They don't dive as deep into it as DC does. And I think they really bring the world to life a lot better. They make it more real. More like, yeah, this would be the public reaction. You know, people would be divided by this. There would be support. There would be dislike. There would be maybe outright hate. There would be criticisms. There would be just all these people divided in their own sections. And I think... That's what I really like about it is that they do make it, you know, realistic and showing, you know, the, that public reaction. Because you you kind of think about it, like, when you're watching these movies, like, well, you know, oh, they've destroyed this, they've destroyed that, or they've done this. And, well, what does everybody else think about it? It's like, well, the after effect. Like, you just destroyed half a city. Now what are you going to do? And they, they kind of, they look at that. And the, and how, you know, they're going to have these superheroes interact in the in the real world, and they they do an excellent job of it. And whereas Marvel, not so much. I don't find that they do, except in that in Civil War where they had, you know, they made the Sokovia Accords and the government got involved, United Nations, all that stuff. They got involved in on it and you know tried to control these superheroes, and that was the only time that we really saw that dc they've like taken it and run with it and they do it a hell of a lot better and also with dc you get they also finds people who like lex luther are going to exploit that kind of stuff and the people are going to exploit the divide in the people mm-hmm. and use it to their advantage and like i say you haven't seen the extended cut no. which i think i've told you before i think i've told you though really all the extended cut is is it probably it reveals to you what you probably already know 
that Lex is pulling the strings behind a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot yeah. more in depth. You get a lot more Lex in it. Yeah. So you show how much it shows how much he's actually how much he's actually involved in the situation more than it shows. Yeah, which I really yeah I saw that you know you knew what he was doing totally knew he was he was behind it but I I did wish that they explored that more because that would have been really they kind of. Like, you knew what he was doing. He was trying to manipulate everybody and, and kind of use the reactions, you know, to his advantage. But he also, to me, kind of seemed at some points a bit weak in that. Like, because you didn't see what he was actually doing. Like, oh, this is just what he's doing and that's it. Well, there's a little bit more. So I, I would have loved to have seen that. It'd be good to see that a little bit more, like, you know... Um, to see him actually pulling a little bit more strings and having that little bit more control over everything. Because, yeah, you really don't see that in just the regular version. Yeah. So. And I think a lot of the blame has to go. It might be with the whole AT&T, Warner Brothers merger. So everything's trying to hurry up and push out. And I think, uh, I think Justice League might have been more of the victim of that whole thing than anything. I think so. I saw, yeah. You kind of notice that. Like, it was... It's a decent story. You know, it's a decent movie. But you definitely see there wasn't really a lot of... At times, a lot of thought put into it. Like, it was just... Yeah. Let's just put this together and boom. And also like, that... You also have the fact that Joss Whedon came in. Yeah. For those who don't know, Zack Snyder walked away from Justice League to deal with the... To mourn the loss of his, his daughter. He thought he could work through it, but he couldn't. So he stepped away from Justice League, and they brought in Joss Whedon from Marvel to finish it. And that's why Justice League seems like it's such a mess. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Like, it's it's good for the first sort of half. Like, you see that, and then it just really sort of goes downhill. Um, it's, yeah, definitely not their finest couple hours, but... <laughs> Yeah, and and I know the the graphics. They spent six million dollars trying to remove Henry Cavill's mustache. In some scenes, it really shows if you're <laughs> looking for it. Um, yeah. That catches the flag. But I think one thing now, just sitting here thinking about, I love I love every movie DC's turned out so far. Mm-hmm. If anything, you can really. I'm just sitting here thinking, listening to Melissa talk. I think a lot of it is. It seems like. You can tell when there's Joss Whedon stuff, and you can tell when there's Zack Snyder stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like, and they try to mix some humor in with it, but it seems like a lot of the humor does not mix. It does, it does not feel like it's there. It was thrown in just to throw it in. Yeah, like you can throw a little, like for example, some of Ezra Miller's Flash uh, stuff. That humor yeah. pretty good. Like when he's running around Clark, and Clark turns his eyes at him. That's humor that works. Then you have at the end when uh, Cyborg and Superman are trying to separate the mother boxes and they're just laying in the front. I can't feel my feet. And <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. That Or when Bruce is something's definitely bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Like those those are the well-placed bits of humor. Well, I don't yeah. think that I don't think that's the well-placed humor. Well, maybe not, you know, but I'm just that, saying that, like, that was something thrown in. Thrown in, yeah. Like you yeah. For some of it it works, for some of it it doesn't. And it I really I don't know, maybe 
I wasn't really, not that I was looking for it when I was watching, I was just watching it to watch it, but it really seemed disjointed, and it was just random, and it wasn't a good flow of a movie. Like, you had some humor, good parts, and then it's not so much, like, it was like, okay, that's sort of like a, you know, somebody says something and it gets, you know, they just make everything awkward. Like, yeah. You definitely saw the differences, like, yeah. So it's it's watchable if you turn your brain off. But if you if you're going in to like critique it, you're giving it a thumbs down. <laughs> but it just like it's still a very enjoyable movie. And I do these things when I buy the movies. I watch them numerous times as soon as I buy them, just because I enjoy them so much. Same with Shazam, Aquaman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's another character that evolves a lot too. Between her, between you don't get a lot of character development from her in BVS. It's mostly this mystery woman, but if you pay attention, you know it's Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> if they didn't reveal that Gal Gadot was cast as Wonder Woman, it would have been a nice surprise. But uh, but you see the evolution of her character between her solo movie and Justice League. I think it's set on a holy backcast again, where you see that Diana is learning to become a leader, and just because she stays hidden after what happens back in World War One, she stays kind of hidden. She pops up, makes her save, and goes back into hiding. Yeah. Now she's learning in Justice League that she needs to be the new face. She needs to be out there, seen as his face. And same with the little thing with Aquaman too is. In Justice League, he's like, oh, kind of, yeah, I'll show up and help when it when it invade when the fight with dark with the when the fight with the parademons and apocalypse enters Atlantis, then he wants to become involved. Then you see him involved more throughout the course of Aquaman standalone film. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of good character development going on in DC, and yeah. in the standalone films, you don't really see a lot of the how the outside world perceives these characters. Maybe get probably get a little bit of it in Shazam. A little bit. Like you especially when like he he becomes Shazam. Like he gets his powers and, and they're trying them out, right? And they're experimenting with what he's got. And you you see that a little bit with people. And then but they they probably could have explored that a little bit more. But I well, think well, you get a good example. You get a good example at the family dinner table when yeah. they try to get the whole family to say something about what they think about it. Yeah. And you get all these different views and opinions. You got uh, can't think of the one child's name. Eugene. Yeah. With the cape, or no, no, it was uh, what's the other one? I can't think of the other one. Uh, the 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 bigger kid it says oh. the cape looks kind of stupid. <laughs> Pedro? Pedro is that pa- Pedro yeah Pedro says oh the costume looks stupid and <laughs> Eugene says all oh, his powers are dumb I can charge my phone right here <laughs> well then Billy chimes in and then uh, Freddie joint chimes in and so you get a, you get like a good example of that there how they'd embrace that yeah. and, uh, and vice versa how Billy embraces getting these powers, how he's trying to 
That's well for me, Lambert Stearns. He's doing what a kid would do, essentially. Yeah, like he he's he's sort of taking it seriously, but he's he's also taking it like like a kid would with so much excitement. Like he's excited over like, oh cool, I got this power. Wow, look at that. Oh, and, and oh like, you're a bad you're a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're a bad guy. She, this lady gave me money for it. You know? Like, and then it sort of goes to his head when he's. You know, he's got his music and he's like, dude, you know. Hands. Lightning. lightning with my hands. hands. Lightning with my hands. hands. Lightning from my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, I think that's what they need to do is explore that. Because, like, what would a kid do? Well, just that. Right? And then he finally, it gets serious when, you know, but later on. But uh, he kind of comes into his own a little bit more. What's the coming of age when he? It's all yeah. about him trying to discover his family and everything. And that's it. Yeah. Well, what about Aquaman or Wonder Woman? Seeing, he think we're getting a public persona there to how the public perceives this because most of Aquaman takes place in Atlantis. Yeah. Well, actually, at the, begin- at the beginning of Aquaman, when he's in the bar with his father, and those yeah. bikers don't want to get take photos with him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's a little bit more lighthearted, I guess you could say. Like it's not so, you know, like they they they're he's just another guy kind of thing. But oh, let's take pictures. Let's do you know, like it's not so. You're not involving government. You're not involving military. Like, there's nothing like that. It's more well, of a lighthearted approach where he's just, eh, whatever. He's there. Except, except <laughs> for the doc, except for the doctor who's spitting out yeah. the conspiracies about there being an Atlantis who, when he finds Black Manta in the post credit scenes. Yeah. So you get that guy who's essentially, essentially is Aquaman's talking head from BVS. So he's essentially like what the talking heads were like in BVS. Yeah. Yeah. But he's more of like, oh, this God, Atlantis is real. And this, this technology I found from Atlantis and stuff. So, probably more so treating him like a crackpot almost. Like he's a crackpot. He's out of his mind. That's not what he's talking about. Yeah. Like it's, it's totally not taken seriously. Like, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. But, but, Aqu- but, but, Aqu- but Aquaman is known in this in his movie. He's known, he is known, so, when he goes to save the. He goes to save the submarine at the beginning with the first fight with Black Manto, and he finds all those guys held up. Everyone says Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. I believe if I believe Black Manta knows who he is too at the beginning of the film, but he doesn't know who Black Manta is. Yeah. yeah. And then you see him deal with. Well, I didn't save him and his father. Now he's attacking my. Fa- now he's attacking. This and now he's doing this. He's working with my brother to take me down. And so you, you do see when he, when he, what's when Black Manta attacks uh, Italy when they're in Italy with Mera. That's when he starts to see the cause, the cause of his actions, the effect of his actions. Yeah, yeah, and I think like, yeah, looking at at. Wonder Woman, like, you see her, you know, she's discovering herself and coming out of, you know, leaving the, the familiar 
place where she's mostly been and being in the outside world and interacting with it. And you see, like, you know, dressed a different way and, and you know, not carrying her sword and her shield and all that stuff like she usually would. And so it's her sort of, like, wondering, well, how do I, you know, under, under just a little bit of guidance from Chris Pine's character, um, you know, that to kind of blend in with, with society. And she Steve has Steve Trevor. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I knew his name, but it synapses, not snapping. They're like, oh, I can't snap. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you like you you see that, um, you know, her trying to interact with with the world and, and maybe a little bit outside world you know, reaction to her, but. Well, cause to me, one of my favorite scenes on Wonder Woman is when she's trying the ice cream for the first time. That seems to be such a hallmark uh, Wonder Woman moment is when Wonder Woman's first introduced to, to man's world and she's trying ice cream for the first time. And she's walking around London, oh, look, look a baby! <laughs> she wants to hold the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like she's, yeah. Wants to do that? Well, uh, you know, you can't do that. It's going to kind of be, you know, frowned upon by people. You know, you're going to be looked at even, you know, you're going to be looked at weird, right? <laughs> well, she's walking around down, down London with a sword and a shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? What is this about? <laughs> yeah, you don't see that every day. Especially in uh, World War One era London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? No. Could maybe do that now, and it might not be so bad. But might be fun. <laughs> this is why we can't have. That'd be why we can't have nice things. Yes. One bad apple spoils it for the bushel. What? I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm actually we could get a, a counter reaction to how this reacts in the movie Brightburn. Yeah, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen it yet, but I am definitely intrigued to uh, see this. Where if you're unfamiliar, it's supposed to be essentially the premise of this kid being s- like Superman, but he's evil. Mm-hmm. And from what I heard, I read about it, it's supposed to set up like a whole evil child. That's a child with like evil superpower franchise. So like an evil Wonder Woman, an evil Aquaman. It's supposed to set up all this stuff. So I maybe want to put another sticky note on this topic and come back and both both have to watch Brightburn and. uh, I'm gonna have that. I think it just came out on Redbox down here in the states not that long ago. It should be out by the time of this recording. Should be out for rental or. I still go to. I still go to the video store once in a while and rent movies. We don't don't have any here anymore. I think the last blockbuster just closed in the United States not that long ago. Wow. Yeah, our blockbuster closed a few years ago now. It's been a long time. And then the yeah, the last video store got torn down. So I'm pretty sure when kids went to go see Captain Methel, when she fell through the roof of the blockbuster, like, what the hell is that? Right. That's what you you needed for a lit Friday night when we were kids, man. Block, block. When I was a kid, Blockbuster—that was the fancy 
movie rental place because it was a little more expensive than the other smaller chains that we had. Yeah. But if, yeah. if, if you went to Blockbuster, it's, it's fancy. Oh, yeah. It's but we still, we, here. we still have a family video here, and I still go to family video every now and then. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. where I rented Bohemian Rhapsody from. Fine. I, I've used Redbox before, but I, I still prefer to go to like the actual brick and mortar of video rental stores. We don't even have that here. We have nothing for like rent other than your like you rent online, like your Amazon and all that stuff, right? Like because you can rent movies through them, but physical brick and mortar rental places, no, non-existent here. It's becoming a thing of the past, which makes me sad. Oh, it, it really made me sad when they uh, they tore it down because it was a video network. And it was one that I frequented a lot. Like, went there because they had, like, the cheapest. And then sometimes, occasionally, went to Blockbuster, of course, because, you know, you had to be fancy. <laughs> you felt like splurging a little bit. Yeah. A little bit extra. You had to go to Blockbuster. But Video Network was my go-to. And, uh, like, I used to live not far from there. So, like, just go walk down and go rent a couple movies. They even rented video games from there. And it was just an awesome place. So, I was, like, when they closed and tore it down, I was, like, Oh, end of sad. an era. Yeah. yeah. I think Miss, Mr. Movies in Clinton was a very frequent haunting of me as a growing up, just going there a lot. We also had like a video King back in the day and then Mr. Movies opened and then blockbuster opened and a blockbuster would eventually go out of business here. Yeah. I, I always knew the new rental fee would be their downfall. The no late fee. Yeah. I, always knew that'd be, I always knew that'd be their downfall. Yeah. <laughs> No late fee? Well, we'll bring it back whenever the hell we want to. <laughs> oh, oh, my buddy did that. My buddy did that once. And what yeah. they did is uh, he rented, I think it was Dodgeball. <laughs> and my buddy Coop, if you're listening, uh, he was, he was experimental. I'm, I'm just going to keep it for like a week, see what they do. And he said, I want to do it just to do it. Yeah. And I think they said like after a week, they called him and asked him if he wanted to buy it. <laughs> So he ended up returning it. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's how they get you. Yeah. So that's what that's that's the, that's the fine print in the no late fee uh, game. Yeah. <laughs> you want to own it? Uh, no. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if it's not that great of a movie. It's like, yeah, no. Here you go. Oh. You can have it back. <laughs> Just want to see how long I can hold on to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could probably see why video rentals is so about time. Because I'll, I'll go and rent movies, and I just don't have to. I'll rent, like, three movies, and I do not have the time to watch three movies anymore, it seems like. Yeah. Even, like, yeah, like, for me, like, going to the library, I haven't really... I haven't gone to the library in a while for, like, getting movies and stuff just because of, like, your Netflix and all that stuff going, you know. But then the time to go to the library and get these things. and so. Oh, the, the last ten minutes of this podcast are going to go every, over every kid's head. Video rental store? <laughs> library? It's... <laughs> 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 You borrow shit from there, and it's awesome. One's free, and one's not. <laughs> Unless you keep it for more than seven days, and you gotta take it back. Yeah, they're gonna make you buy it. 
Yeah. I can't remember the last time I set foot in the library. Been a minute. I know that much. Yeah. I used to uh, I remember being a kid going to the Clinton Public Library all the time. Oh yeah, me too. All it was yeah, my my hangout. Man. Got so many books from there. <laughs> I still used it like I still use it now. You know, I get all my graphic novels and stuff that I want to read and then I buy because that always happens. You know what? But hey, superheroes in the real world, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> kind of go off topic. Not, okay. not, the, not the ancient relics of uh, <laughs> libraries and video rental stores. Bosses. <laughs> well, well, we did mention Captain Meville in Blockbuster, so I guess we can kind of justify it that way. It <laughs> but uh, Made the connection. We're still good. Yep. <laughs> not complete ADD. Well, but uh, ADD tendencies maybe, but not full on. <laughs> so, do you think Marvel has done a good just as, or do you think DC has done just as good of a uh, comparison, uh, splitting of the masses, if you will, of people who are for the heroes and against the heroes, or do you think it's just, or is it only just present in Civil War and not present in the rest of the movies? For, I think. Okay. Go ahead. Well, no, you said DC is was the better. Yes. Which one addressed the topic better? Do you have you really seen anything in the Marvel universe since Civil War about the masses being split? Because I know with a lot with Endgame, you're dealing with the people uh, dealing with the repercussions of the of the snap. Yeah. But with Black Panther. What Wakanda opening itself to the world, yeah. opening its borders to the world, uh, Captain Marvel, and not really alien, alien invasion. Maybe that's about it. That's about it. Like it's like I said, yeah. Their Marvel is light and fluffy. They don't really like to explore stories very much. Like it's just they focus on what they're doing, and that's about it. Whereas DC does that so much better where you see that world interaction like it's everybody involved and it's it's what you're thinking should happen in a marvel movie like well what about everybody else and their thoughts what about the, it just seems it seems too easy in the marvel universe way yeah, what, what does the president of the united states think about what happened with uh, the first avengers movie What were his thoughts on New York being leveled by a god and about an alien race? Right. You know, you, you don't you don't see it. Like, except, like, if you look at... I guess if you look at, like, Iron Man and, you know, the government wanting his suit. You know, like, they're... No, we... You know, it's a weapon, it's whatever, and then they create the, the Iron Patriot. Like they, you know, they create him, so it's a little bit more. And you know, at the end of the the senator giving, you know, Tony Stark the medal, you know, and he's like, <laughs> you know, it's putting on that smile, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't like you, but whatever. Let's just, you know, put on a game yeah. face. But 
but yeah, overall, Marvel is they they briefly explore it, very briefly. They're maybe they're they're a little unsure of it. Like they're just they're not. Maybe it's just not a, a it's not something they're comfortable with. Whereas DC, no, they're gonna they're they've got the guts to explore that and you know with their characters and how they feel in the world and then everybody else as well and making that world very realistic Uh, and like i was saying dc is saying this is how the world reacts to it and how the heroes themselves react to everything that's going on and how the world reacts to what's going on around them whereas more marvel is like this is how the characters react to what's going on Mm mm-hmm and the rest is just background noise. Yeah. Like, just bring out the the. Oh, I said, how does the president feel about what happened in New York? Um, look back to BVS when they actually call the president and they to drop the nuke on Superman and Doomsday, mm-hmm. or not not the nuke, but they shoot him with a, ro- a missile of some kind when Superman and Doomsday are going up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Do you know who plays the president in BVS? No. Patrick Wilson, who plays uh, Ocean Master. See, I should know that. I think I do. I reckon that, yeah. So Patrick Wilson's been in a lot of DC movies. He's that, that old, if you can call it DC, but Vertigo, he's in Watchmen, too. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he's he's the voice of the president. Then he goes on to play Orm in uh, Aquaman. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember him in that. I, it took me a minute to, like, recognize him. Like, oh, yeah, I know that actor. So it was interesting to see him in this because, like, I've, I've only ever seen him in, uh, The Conjuring. Yeah, he's in those. I've I've really only seen him in Aquaman and yeah, Watchmen. So it was kind of interesting and weird at the same time to see him in this totally different world in a, in a different element so it was kind of cool i like that so so i'll tell you what how about we put a pin in this discussion we'll watch brightburn we'll both try to watch brightburn and we'll come back to this subject later today maybe after halloween after we do all of our spooky stuff we're we're mourning the loss of uh halloween being gone for another 10 months well, yep we'll, we'll put a pin how about we put a pin in the discussion, and we maybe we can watch something like *Brightburn*, even though it's not directly affiliated with any any Superman or superhero title. But uh, that I'm aware of. I'll make that note. I'm not that I'm aware of it's directly affiliated with any certain title. But uh, maybe we we'll get a different persona on this. How we're going to view these more evil heroes. Scissor might come out like, oh, maybe this is how Bruce saw Superman the whole time. Yeah. It's it's the Injustice storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So, yeah, we have to watch, definitely watch Brightburn. Um, and get a moment and, uh, and talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So, any closing thoughts? DC is better than Marvel. I already knew that. <laughs> I'm just solidifying it because you know there might be some people who are like, oh, she's still Marvel. 
Who right. thought the Canadian? Who thought the Canadian would be the one in this podcast, like saying all the upsetting things, dropping all the pipe bombs? <laughs> We're barely, we've barely survived the David Harbor incident from two episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the quiet ones you got to watch out for. We're going to bring Jason back to smooth the waters back. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Need a referee in this, man. Need a moderator. <laughs> we just go off rails. <laughs> so, so next episode, we're going to go back into the spooky time of year that we all love. We're going to get some more Halloween goodies uh plugged in here for you guys before the Halloween season ends before November 1st and I officially switch over to Christmas mode even though I I take time for Thanksgiving because I love my turkey but I get in the Christmas spirit November 1st though because I love Christmas as much as I love Halloween (laughs) (laughs) but spooky first Yes. next episode Melissa where can the junior ambassadors and nerds and nerdettes follow you on the interwebs well, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Melissa N. Uh, you can also find me at the same handle on Instagram. And you can also, if you'd like to, find me on Facebook. Um, full name, Melissa Nicholson. I'm not under any fancy handles, just my regular name. If you want to find me there. Where can they find you, Jared? You can find me on the tweets and Instagrams at QCA underscore Mr. J. And there's an underscore between Mr. and J. Just a nice little tribute to my favorite comic book character of all time, Mr. J, the Joker, which we don't release a lot of episodes in October. It's because I'm at the movie theater watching Joker. Same here. I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a quick break to watch The Addams Family. But then we go back to watching Joker. And then I'll go back to watching Joker. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, at the, uh, when the last trailer dropped, you know how many people came out of the woodwork and texted me about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm well aware. I'm ready for it. I've been ready since it was first announced. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I was when I watched the the second or the like the recent trailer, the final one. I was um, I almost like tripped because I was like walking and i was watching on my phone and i was like oh, i was just like smiling from ear to ear and just like oh this is gonna be so good and i almost yeah injured myself watching it but you know it's just the sacrifices we make yep. <laughs> yeah there's yeah some comments recently and i defended it so <laughs> it's gonna be a blast so yeah, if you can't find me on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook, which you can find me under my name, Jared Boots, uh, look for the guy with the huge beard pulling on a rope, more than likely. Uh, mostly just pictures of my cats or me tugging or me drawing. That's really all you're going to see. You can also hear me behind the camera on a little show called Breaking Frequencies with Ghost Cryer on Amazon Prime. As of this recording, there's only two episodes out now. Um, and then we're also on Vidi, that's the Vidi Space Network, so look for us there. You can also find Ghost Crier on YouTube under Ghost Crier Videos. Most, I'm, I'm behind the camera, so you can hear my monotone voice in a different audio setting. You so, can also uh, see in front of the camera in episode two. Am I right? 
Yes, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have the beard in that. There is a guy with a there is a guy with a beard and a nerdy shirt on, but that's our awesome historian Travis. Now I'm the <laughs> now I'm the bearded dude with the nerdy t-shirts. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, but in October you can find me in the movie theater watching Joker and helping to push it past the billion dollar mark. <laughs> just in Clinton, just in Clinton, Iowa sales alone. <laughs> so Melissa, take us out on our favorite philosopher. I'm a nerd and uh I'm pretty proud of it. Thanks for Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you with some more spooky treats. And I know Mikey, Mikey Rare is laughing at that joke right now because me and him have been binge-watching Bill Hader's Vincent Price sketches from Saturday Night Live. Spooky treats! <laughs> if you haven't seen those, look them up. They are hilarious. You will thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Bye. Thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.